Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Church Podcast. We're happy that you would join us for today's teaching. As a church, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus, no matter who they are or where they are from. If you have any questions about Jesus, the church, or the teaching you're hearing today, please don't hesitate to contact us online at ericksoncovenant.ca. And now, let's listen to this week's teaching. Don't you just love a good rescue story? I know, it thrills us when we hear them. When I was growing up, the favorite stories of mine in the Reader's Digest were the real-life stories of someone being rescued from some impossible situation. The recent uh, wartime movie, Dunkirk, celebrated the stunning rescue of over 300,000 Allied soldiers as they were trapped on the shores of France. And I love the part of the story where uh, every, every family with a boat is rushing across the English Channel to bring their boys home. It's terrific. In 2010, we all held our breath as 33 Chilean miners were trapped in a copper mine, what turned out to be 68 days. They were trapped underground. And when they were pulled to freedom for what very likely should have been their grave, the whole world cheered. A few summers ago, Adrian Neufeld pulled me aside to share with me a story of dramatic rescue right here at the Goat River, right here at the bridge just by the church building. I asked him if he'd share that story of rescue with us. Here it is. It was the summer of 2017, and our oldest daughter and her family came out for a visit. So one afternoon, we decided to take a little hike. So we drove down to the Goat River, just below the church there, and decided to go for a hike down to the river. As we were walking along the edge, it's such a beautiful sight to just see the white water bashing through the rocks and hear the sounds. As we got down to the river's edge, we were greeted by the pickers who loved to come there in the afternoon and cool off after a hard days in the orchard. So Alex took his two children, Katie and Grayson, and started to head out into the river. I said, Katie, stay with Grandpa, and Alex, just stay along the edge and don't go out into that current because it's very fast and it's very dangerous. So they ventured along the edge and went out to where they were in about waist-deep water when all of a sudden they hit some slippery rocks and down they went and the current grabbed them. And all it happened so quickly, all we could see was Alex holding on to his son and struggling with all his might to get to shore. So Lisa is on the bank taking pictures of her family in the water like normal, not realizing these could be the last pictures that she has of her husband and her son. I'm in the water watching and nothing I could do. So I started just praying and saying, God, please help. And as this was happening, the current took Alex and Grayson right to the white water. And then the miracle happened. Alex stood up. He was standing still and we were in shock. So I immediately called out to the pickers and I said, boys, can you come and help? And they just came on the run. And uh, one little guy, my daughter said later, he crawled in behind a big rock and he said, I'll be the anchor. Meanwhile, I'm out looking for a stick, a little tree, something that we can use to reach out. 
So the boys started joining hands. The lead person took the stick and we just made a chain as far as we could reach into the river. And sure enough, Alex could grab onto the stick and we began pulling them back to shore. Once we were all safe, we thanked the pickers. It was so grateful for what they had done. And we just stood there as a family in shock at what we had just experienced. We slowly made our way back to the car, hardly talking, not knowing what to say, probably white as ghosts. So we got to the car and we ventured on home. When we got home, Grayson wanted to tell his grandma what had happened. Susie hadn't gone with us because she doesn't like going down that steep bank to the river's edge. So Grayson started to tell the story and Susie immediately realized what had happened. God had prompted her to stop, start praying for her family, not knowing what had happened, but she brought her family before the Lord. Afterwards, I'd ask Alex, I said, so Alex, what stopped you? And he said, my feet went under the edge of this rock and then the force of the water pushed my body against the top part of the rock and just held me there. I've gone down to that river since to just look at the rock. And it was no error. God guided my family directly to the center of that rock that he had placed there at some point in time for this particular point to save my children. Rescue stories are stories of surprising grace. And when it comes to following Jesus, God's rescue of us is the very beginning of our life in Christ. Today we're continuing our teaching series and we're going through the whole biblical story kind of a piece at a time. We're moving today into the greatest rescue story of the Old Testament, the dramatic delivery of God's people out of the land of Egypt. How did they get there? When we left, left, our, last left our story just, just last week, we were in Genesis 12, and God had made big promises to Abraham, promising that he would bless him, that he would make him a great nation, that he would bless the whole world through him. And all through the rest of the book of Genesis, God faithfully and patiently works with this one often very difficult family, eventually guiding them into Egypt, a country that welcomed them to live and to flourish. And that's where Genesis ends. God's promises were still far off, but yet life wasn't too bad. But then, when the second book of the Bible opens, the book of Exodus, Abraham's family are no longer the favored guests of Egypt. Hundreds of years have passed and they're now slaves, brutally oppressed by Egypt and seemingly forgotten by God. An evil king, forgetting entirely of how Abraham's family had been a real blessing to Egypt, had saved Egypt in, during a tremendous famine, he now forced them to build his cities. And then worse than that, fearful of their population growth, this evil king commanded the unthinkable genocide, commanding these Israelites to drown their own baby boys in the Nile River. It's a very dark day in the story of Abraham's family. What happened to all those promises that God had made and then renewed with multiple successive generations? Promises to bless those who bless them and curse those who curse them. 
promises to make Abram's name great and to make his family a great nation and to bless the world through them. Had all those promises been forgotten? The book of Exodus begins in brutality and despair with a people groaning in misery. But their groaning does not go unnoticed. God hears it and God responds. In Exodus 3, calling Moses from a burning bush, God announces his rescue plan. This is what he says. He says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so Moses goes back to Egypt to announce the good news to his own people and to Pharaoh himself. That did not go well at first. In response to Moses' demands, Pharaoh hardened his own heart and oppressed his slaves even more, so that now Moses' own people were upset with him. After a particularly discouraging day, Moses asks God, he says, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people. And you have not rescued your people at all. I'm doing what you said and things are getting worse is basically what Moses is complaining about. Have you ever had that happen? Maybe you can relate. Well, this is how God responds. He said, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. And this is where I want to focus our thoughts today. Listen to what God then says. He said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as the Lord Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, that is Yahweh, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. Where they, are, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. The first thing that God wants Moses to know is that he is a remembering God. He is a God who doesn't forget. Whatever you're seeing, Moses... However, Pharaoh is now heaping it on. Even how much more difficult this oppression is becoming. None of that is evidence that I have forgotten my promises. God reminds Moses that he is a covenant-keeping God and that he will follow through on the promises he's made to them. You know, when times are tough, it is very easy, easy for us to start wondering if God has forgotten us, if God has forgotten his promises. Life deals us very difficult hands, and we can wonder what's going on. And sometimes, even when we act in obedience to what God has said to us, things get worse. 
We can wonder if we made a mistake. God, are you there? Are you seeing this? Have you forgotten us? Kind of like the psalmist in Psalm 13, we can find ourselves crying out, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will my enemy triumph over me? That's the experience that we can have. And it's essential during those times that we trust the faithfulness of God. That even when times are dark and life is a struggle, we can be confident that we have a God who remembers. We have a God who is faithful to his covenant. We have a God who knows us. This could be very important for you right now. That you hold on to the fact that God is not a God who forgets his people. He is a God who remembers. He's a God who responds. And his rescue of us in Christ anchors our trust in him. We can look to his work. We can look to what he has done for us and we can know God remembers. God is faithful. God does not forget. Well, all those years of affirming his plans to Abraham, then to Isaac, then to Jacob, to promising to bless them, support them, protect them, all those promises that God had made, God is now going to make good on those promises. And what's more, He's revealing more of himself to Moses, more of himself to the people of Israel than he had ever revealed before. He's told them his personal name, something he had not told Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. His personal name, Yahweh, revealing his character to them in a brand new way. The Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a covenant-keeping God who remembers, who responds, and now who rescues. And this is where God goes now. Listen to what he says to Moses next. He says, Therefore, Moses, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. The second thing that God wants his people to know is that he is a rescuing God. And he's going to do that through his actions. Notice how God bookends his promise of rescue with an affirmation of his identity. I am the Lord is how he begins. And he ends, I am the Lord. This is very important. This God who is revealing himself to them through his actions is a remembering, rescuing God. That's his character, his very essence. And he wants them to understand this isn't something that just happened by accidents or coincidence. This is the action of their God on their behalf. A God who hears and responds and remembers is now going to rescue them. And that's essential for us to understand as well, that God as our rescuer, our savior, sits at the very center of the Christian understanding of who God is. Is. That is why we talk so much and sing so much about God's action for us in saving us through Christ. God is a rescuing God. That's how he reveals who he is. 
And then look at the promises that God just piles up in this statement. This is what he wants his people to know. I will bring you out. I will free you. I will redeem you. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. He also says, you will know. You will know that I am your God. And I will bring you to the land. I will give you what I promised I would give you. You see, God's rescue of us reveals his character. God's rescue unveils God's identity. Yahweh's rescue of his people out of Egypt becomes the touchstone of Israel's understanding of God. It's the thing they always go back to. He is their rescuing God. And the rest, as they say, is history, actually. God does exactly what he says he will do. He goes to battle with the gods of Egypt. He brings down 10 plagues of judgment on all of Egypt for their unjust treatment of his people. And then he rescues his people out of slavery. And it's an incredible story. I invite you to do a little homework this week to take the book of Exodus and read Exodus 1 through 15. Maybe listen to it on audio. Or here's a great idea. Get the Prince of Egypt, that Steven Spielberg animated feature, and watch it with your family. It's the beautiful story of the Exodus, of God's rescue of his people out of Egypt. It's a wonderful story. See how God's power is displayed on behalf of his people as he fulfills his promises to them. See how his character is displayed through the rescue of his people. But for today, I want us to fix our attention on the hero of it all. The hero is not Moses. The hero is God himself. This great rescue story is really a story of our greatest rescuer. And it's understanding this story and how this reveals who God is and how he initiates the rescue that helps us not only understand the whole story of scripture, but actually the story of our lives too. First, It helps us understand the whole story of Scripture. This epic rescue story of Exodus is actually the event that sits behind everything else. It's this event that revealed God magnificently to his people. You may have have remembered that I've even said it a few times that even the Genesis, earlier Genesis stories, the stories of creation, are actually experientially after they've been rescued. It's after they've been rescued from Egypt that they discover more about this God who created the world. This experience of Israel being saved out of Egypt is the salvation backdrop of the whole story of God's people. It's the definitive event that shapes them in the Old Testament. God's rescue of them sets the tone for the rest of the story so that whenever God's people do get in trouble, And they do get in trouble. In fact, quite a lot of it. There comes a time when they remember who their God really is because he revealed himself to them through their rescue. And as they're suffering and they're groaning, they all of a sudden realize, wait a minute, we have a God who hears us, who responds to us, who can rescue us. And they turn back to the Lord who responds to them with gracious rescue again and again and again. The book of Judges is a great example of God's grace to them as they get in trouble. This great exodus continues to be celebrated all through Jewish history. It's even celebrated today in devout Jewish homes every Passover. We can't actually understand the story of God's people without this rescue story. And ultimately we can't because we don't really understand who God is. 
if we don't root it in his action of rescue for his people. Exodus is the beginning of the life of their life as a nation, the people of Israel, is the people of God, and it then sustains their life into the future. And we'll see more of that as we move into the story, even next week, as we look at the giving of the law from Mount Sinai. But this Exodus story also shapes the way we understand our lives in Christ now, as followers of Jesus or as people exploring the Christian faith. You see, the Exodus story not only reveals God's character as our rescuer, but it sets us up to look for our greater rescue. It points toward our ultimate need for rescue from sin, from death, from a bondage that goes far deeper than just a national bondage, but a bondage where we ourselves are unable to do what God wants, unable to be the people that God has designed us to be, trapped in sin and in death. It's no coincidence that Jesus himself went to the cross and died for our sins on Passover weekend, performing for us the greatest exodus event of history, our exodus out of sin and death. We understand through the revelation of God in Christ that we were slaves to sin, that we were in bondage to an enemy, that we couldn't get free, that we were unable to save ourselves. But God, through Christ, working a mighty deliverance for us, revealed himself on our behalf. And it's through this dramatic rescue that we actually see fully, definitively, who this God really is. Fully on the cross, we see Jesus, who points us to God, the perfect image of God, and we see who our rescuer really is. And like the ancient covenant people of God, we now look back to our Exodus event. Yes, the Exodus event out of Egypt, that sits even further back. But ultimately, the defining story when God saved us from sin and death through Jesus, our Messiah, our rescuer. We're told in 1 John 3.8 that the very reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And then in Colossians 1, 13-14, Paul gives praise to God because he says he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This exodus points us ultimately toward renewal. Our remembering, rescuing God is the same God who will renew all of creation. This exodus out of Egypt points us toward the exodus out of death accomplished by God through his Messiah, Jesus Christ, but ultimately to the final renewal when all the powers of sin and death and evil are finally vanquished and our final exodus from bondage is complete in new resurrection life. God has promised to make all things new in Christ. And if we learn anything from the exodus, it's this. God makes good on his promises. He can be trusted. And if we can be assured of anything from the cross, it's this, that God reveals himself fully to us through his rescue of us in Christ. We don't have to wonder if there's another God yet to be revealed. We don't have to wonder if God is holding out on us. God has shown us who he is fully through the cross. And so this is a God that is faithful, that we can trust. He is going to complete what he started in us and for us, and ultimately for the world. Well, 
how do we apply this to our lives? My question for you is this. What's your rescue story? Have you ever thought of it that way? What's your story of coming to know Jesus or coming to discover his life for you or coming to understand what God has done through the person of Christ and through the cross? And how has what Jesus did on the cross, when did it intersect with your life? Maybe it's just intersecting with your life right now. Maybe you look back at a time when it finally made sense for you. Maybe you can detail your journey to Christ over time. All of that is your rescue story. Have you ever thought of it that way? It could be that it's something that intersected with your own family life a few generations ago, and and you want to explore more of that. It could be something that happened just in the last few years. But what's your rescue story? Ultimately, it's where the story of God's rescue of us on the cross meets your life story. When you bring those two together, you're describing your rescue story. What's yours? I invite you to consider that because being able to articulate your rescue story is a powerful way that we're able to to encourage others. We're able to, to tell others how Jesus has made a difference in our lives. We're able to even explore faith questions with others as we share our own personal testimony or story. And so I challenge you to learn to tell it. Maybe write it out. Maybe share it on video. Maybe, maybe call up a friend and talk to them about it. Maybe reach out to someone who is instrumental in your story of rescue and ask them about what it was like to walk with you as you were exploring faith. But learn to tell your rescue story. Our rescue stories are all different. Some are quite dramatic. Some are very normal. Some of them took a long time. Some of them happened apparently overnight. How the rescue story happens is a sign of God's grace to us, meeting us exactly where we're at. But we all have a rescue story. What's yours? And can you tell it? The Exodus story demonstrates God's power and love in history. How he remembers his covenant. How he rescues his people. And ultimately, it points us to Jesus as the perfect revelation to us of God's identity as our rescuer as the perfect picture of the God who is committed to renewing the world that he made. My hope and prayer for us is this, that we would go into this week filled up with confidence that we have a God who remembers us, a God who has rescued us, and a God who will renew us in the end. God is faithful. He is here. May the Lord bless you and keep you as you trust in his power to save us through Christ and to keep us in Christ into the day of our full renewal. Thank you for listening. We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey, whether you're finding Jesus for the first time or you have been following him for years. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by what you heard today? We invite you to share this podcast so they can be encouraged too. For more information or to ask more questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the Erickson Covenant Church.